but one day as I was passing into the field, and that too with some dashes on my conscience, fearing, least yet all was not right, suddenly the sentence fell upon my soul. Thy righteousness is in heaven. And methought, before, I saw with the eyes of my soul Jesus Christ at God's right hand. There, I say, was my righteousness, so that wherever I was or whatever I was doing, God could not say of me, He wants my righteousness, for that was just before Him. I also saw, moreover, that it was not my good frame of heart that made my righteousness better, nor yet my bad frame that made my righteousness worse. For my righteousness was Jesus Christ himself, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13:8. Now did my chains fall off my legs indeed. I was loose from my afflictions and irons. My temptations also fled away, so that from that time those dreadful scriptures of God left off, left off to trouble me. Now when I also home rejoicing for the grace of God and love of God. So when I came home, I looked to see if I could find that sentence, Thy righteousness is in heaven but could not find such day saying wherefore my heart began to sink again only that was brought to my remembrance of him are ye in Christ Jesus who of God is made unto us wisdom righteousness sanctification and redemption 1 Corinthians 1.30 by this word I saw the other sentence true for by this scripture I saw that the man, Jesus Christ, as he is distinct from us as touching his bodily presence, so he is our righteousness and sanctification before God. Here therefore I lived for some time very sweetly at peace with God through Christ. Only thought Christ, Christ, there was nothing but Christ that was before my eyes. I was not now only for looking upon this and the other benefits of Christ apart, as of his blood, burial, and resurrection, but considering him as a whole Christ, as he in whom all these and all other his virtues, relations, offices, and operations met together, and that he sat on the right hand of God in heaven. It was glorious to me to see his exaltation and the worth and prevalency of all his benefits and that because now I could look for myself to him and would reckon that all those graces of God that now were green on me were yet but like those cracked growths and four pounds half pennies that rich men carry in their purses when their gold is in their trunks at home. Oh, I saw my gold was in my trunk at home, in Christ, my Lord and Savior. Now Christ was all, 
all my righteousness, all my sanctification, and all my redemption. So that the Lord did also lead me into the mystery of union with the Son of God, that I was joined to Him, that I was flesh of His flesh and bone of His bone. And now was that sweet word to me in Ephesians 5.30. By this also was my faith in Him as my righteousness the more confirmed in me, for if he and I were one, then his righteousness was mine, his merit mine, his victory also mine. Now I could see myself in heaven and earth at once, in heaven by my Christ, by my head, by my righteousness and life, though on earth by my body or person. Now I saw Christ Jesus was looked upon, of God and should also be looked upon by us as that common or public person in whom all the whole body of his elect are always to be considered and reckoned that we fulfill the law by him died by him rose from the dead by him got the victory over sin death the devil and hell by him when he died, we died. And so of his resurrection, thy dead men shall live. Together with my dead body shall they arise, said he. And again, after two days he will revive us. And the third day we shall live in his sight. Isaiah chapter 26. Hosea chapter 6 verse 2 which is now fulfilled by the sitting down of the Son of Man on the right hand of the Majesty in the heavens according to that to the Ephesians he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus Ephesians 2 6 are these blessed considerations and scriptures with many others of like nature were in those days made to spangle in mine eye so that I have cause to say praise ye the Lord God in his sanctuary praise him in the firmament of his power praise him for mighty acts praise him according to his excellent greatness. Psalms 150, verses 1 and 2. Chapter 9. Having thus, in a few words, given you a taste of the sorrow and affliction that my soul endured by the guilt and terror that these my wicked thoughts did lay under, and having given you also a touch of my deliverance therefrom, and of the sweet and blessed comfort that I met with afterwards, which comfort dwelt about a twelve months with my heart, to my unspeakable admiration, I will now, God willing, before I proceed any further, give you in a word or two 
what I conceive was the cause of this temptation, and also after that what advantage at the last it became unto my soul. For the causes, I conceive they were principally two, of which two also I was deeply convinced all the time this trouble lay upon me. The first was, for that I did not, when I was delivered from the temptation that went before, still pray to God to keep me from the temptations that were to come. For though, as I can say in truth, my soul was much in prayer before this trial seized me, yet when I prayed only, or at the most principally, for the removal of these present troubles and for fresh discoveries of his love in Christ, which I saw afterwards was not enough to do, I also should have prayed that the great God would keep me from the evil that was to come. Of this I was made deeply sensible by the prayer of holy David, who, when he was under present mercy, yet prayed that God would hold him back from sin and temptation to come. For then, said he, shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Psalm 19.13 by this very word I was galled and condemned quite through this long temptation. That was also another word that did much condemn me for my folly in the neglect of this duty. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 4, verse 16 This I had not done and therefore was thus suffered to sin and fall, according to what is written, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And truly this very thing is to this day of such weight and awe upon me, that I dare not, when I come before the Lord, go off my knees, until I entreat him for help and mercy against the temptations that are to come. And I do beseech thee, reader, that thou learn to be aware of my negligence by the afflictions, that for this thing I did for days and months and years with sorrow undergo. Another cause of this temptation was that I had tempted God. And on this manner did I do it. Upon a time, my wife was great with child, and before her full time was come, her pangs as of a woman in travail were fierce and strong upon her, even as she would have immediately fallen into labor and been delivered of an untimely birth. Now at this very time it was that I had been so strongly tempted to question the being of God, wherefore, as my wife lay crying by me, I said, but with all secrecy imaginable, even thinking in my heart, Lord, if now thy wilt remove this sad affliction from my wife, 
and cause that she be troubled no more therewith this night. And now were her pangs just upon her. Then shall I know that thou canst discern the most secret thoughts of my heart. I had no sooner said it in my heart, but her pangs were taken away from her, and she was cast into a deep sleep, and so continued till morning. At this I greatly marveled, not knowing what to think. But after I had been awake a good while and heard her cry no more, I fell asleep also. So when I awakened in the morning, it came upon me again, even what I had said in my heart the last night, and how the Lord had showed me that he knew my secret thoughts, which was a great astonishment unto me for several weeks after. Well, about a year and a half afterwards, that wicked, sinful thought of which I have spoken before went through my wicked heart. Let Christ go if he will. So when I was fallen under guilt for this, the remembrance of my other thought and of the effect thereof would also come upon me with this retort, which also carried rebuke along with it. Now you may see that God doth know the secret thoughts of the heart. And with this, that of the passages that were between the Lord and his servant Gideon fell upon my spirit. How, because that Gideon tempted God with his fleece, both wet and dry, when he should have believed and ventured upon his words. Therefore the Lord did afterwards so try him as to send him against an innumerable company of enemies, and that too as to outward appearance without any strength or help. Judges 7, verse 7. Thus he served me, and that justly, for I should have believed his word, and not have put an if upon all seeingness of God. And now, to show ye something of the advantages that I also gained by this temptation, and first by this I was made continually to possess in my soul a very wonderful sense of both the blessing and glory of God in his beloved Son. In the temptation that went before, my soul was perplexed with unbelief, blasphemy, hardness of the heart, questions about the being of God, Christ, the truth of the word and certainty of the world to come. I say, then I was greatly assaulted and tormented with atheism. But now the case was otherwise. Now was God and Christ continually before my face, though not in a way of comfort, but in a way of exceeding dread and terror. The glory of the holiness of God did at this time break me to pieces, and the bowels and compassion of Christ did break me as on the wheel, for I could not consider him but as a lost and rejected Christ, the remembrance of which was as the continual breaking of my bones.
The scriptures also were wonderful unto me. I saw that the truth and verity of them were the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Those that the scriptures favor must inherit bliss. But those that they oppose and condemn must perish forevermore. Oh, this word, for the scriptures cannot be broken, would rent the call of my heart, and so would that other, whose sins ye remit, they are remitted, but whose sins ye retain, they are retained. Now I saw the apostles to be the elders of the city of refuge. Joshua 20, verse 4. Those that they were to receive in were received to life, but those that they shut out were to be slain by the avenger of blood. Oh, one sentence of the scripture did more afflict and terrify my mind. I mean, those sentences that stood against me, and sometimes I thought, they everyone did, more I say, than an army of 40,000 men that might come against me. Woe be to him against whom the scriptures bend themselves. By this temptation I was made to see more into the nature of the promises than ever I had before. For I now lay trembling under the mighty hand of God, continually torn and rent by the thundering of his justice. This made me, with careful heart and watchful eye, with great fearfulness to turn over every leaf, and with much diligence, mixed with trembling, to consider every sentence together with its natural force and latitude. By this temptation also I was greatly holden off from my former foolish practice of putting by the word of promise when it came into my mind. For now, though I could not draw that comfort and sweetness from the promise which I had done at other times, yet like a thinking man, I would catch all I saw. Formerly I thought I might not meddle with the promises unless I felt discomfort, but now it was no time thus to do. The avenger of blood too hard hardly did pursue me. Now therefore was I glad to catch at that word, which yet I feared I had no ground or right to own, and even to leap into the bosom of that promise that yet I feared did shut its heart against me. Now also I would labor to take the word as God hath laid it down, without restraining the natural force of one syllable thereof. Oh, what did I see in the blessed sixth chapter of John? And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. John 6, verse 37. Now I began to consider with myself that God had a bigger mouth to speak with than I had a heart to conceive with. I thought also with myself that he spoke not his words in haste or in an unadvised heat, but with infinite wisdom and judgment and in very truth 
and faithfulness. I would in these days often, in my great agonies, even flounce towards the promise, as the horse do towards sound ground, and yet stick in the mire, concluding, though as one almost bereft of its wits through fear, on this will I rest and stay and leave the fulfilling of it to the God of heaven that made it. O oh, many a pull hath my heart had with Satan for the blessed sixth chapter of John. I did not know as at other times. Look principally for comfort, though oh how welcome would it have been unto me but now a word, a word to lean a weary soul upon, that it might not sink forever, it was that I hunted for. Yea, often when I have been looking to the promise, I have seen as if the Lord would refuse my soul forever. I was often as if I had run upon the pikes, and as if the Lord had thrust at me to keep me from him as with a flaming sword. Then would I think of Esther, who went to petition the king, contrary to the law. I thought also of Ben-Hadad's servants, who went with ropes upon their heads to their enemies for mercy. The women of Canaan also, that would not be daunted though called dog by Christ and the man that went to borrow bread at midnight were also great encouragements unto me Esther 4.16 1 Kings 20.31 etc Matthew 15.22 etc Luke 11 5 through 8 etc I never saw such heights and depths in grace and love and mercy as I saw after this temptation great sins to draw out great grace and where guilt is most terrible and fierce there the mercy of God in Christ when showed to the soul appears most high and mighty when Job had passed through his captivity he had twice as much as he had before Job 42.10 Blessed be God for Jesus Christ our Lord. Many other things I might here make observation of, but I would be brief, and therefore shall at this time omit them and pray God that my harms may make others fear to offend, lest they also be made to bear the iron yoke as I did. I had two or three times at or about my deliverance from this temptation, such strange apprehensions of the grace of God that I could hardly bear up under it. It was so out of measure amazing when I thought it could reach me that I do think if that sense of it had abode long upon me, it would have made me incapable for business. Now I shall go forward to give you a relation of other of the Lord dealings with me at sundry other seasons and of the temptations I then did meet withal. 
I shall begin with what I met with when first I joined in fellowship with the people of God in Bedford. After I had propounded to the church that my desire was to walk in the order and ordinance of Christ with them, and was also admitted by them, while I thought of that blessed ordinance of Christ, which was his last supper with his disciples before his death, that scripture, do this in remembrance of me, Luke 22:19 was made a very precious word unto me, for by it the Lord did come down upon my conscience with the discovery of his death for my sins. And as I then felt, did as if he plunged me into the virtue of the same. But behold, I had not been long a partaker of that ordinance, but such fierce and sad temptation did attend me at all times therein, both to blaspheme the ordinance and to wish some dread seemed to those that then did eat thereof, that, lest I should at any time be guilty of consenting to these wicked and fearful thoughts, I was forced to bend myself all the while to pray to God to keep me from such blasphemies, and also to cry to God to bless the cup and bread to them, as it were, from mouth to mouth. The reason of this temptation I have thought since was because I did not with that reference that became me at first approach to partake thereof. Thus I continued for three quarters of a year and could never have rest nor ease. But at last the Lord came in upon my soul with that same scripture by which my soul was visited before. And after that I have been usually very well and comfortable in the partaking of the blessed ordinance. And have, I trust, therein discerned the Lord's body as broken for my sins and that his precious blood has been shed for my transgressions. Upon a time I was something inclined to a consumption, for with about the spring I was suddenly and violently seized with much weakness in my outer man, insomuch I thought I could not live. Now began I afresh to give myself up to a serious examination of my state and condition for the future and of my evidences for that blessed world to come. For it hath, I bless the name of God, been my usual course, as always, though especially in the day of affliction, to endeavor to keep my interest in the life to come clear before mine eyes. But I had no sooner began to recall to mind my former experience of the goodness of God to my soul, than there came flocking into my mind an innumerable company of my sins and transgressions, among which these were at this time most to my affliction, namely, my deadness, dullness, and coldness in my holy duties my wanderings of heart, my wearisomeness in all good things, my want of love to God, His ways and people, 
Was this at the end of all? Are these the fruits of Christianity? Are these tokens of a blessed man? At the apprehension of these things my sickness was doubled upon me, for now I was sick in my inward man. My soul was clogged with guilt. Now also were my former experiences of God's goodness to me quite taken out of my mind and hid, as if they had never been or seen. Now was my soul greatly pinched between these two considerations. Live I must not. Die I dare not. Now I sunk and fell in my spirit and was given up all for lost. But as I was walking up and down my house as a man in a most woeful state, that word of God took hold of my heart. You are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 3.24 But oh, what a turn it made upon me. Now was I as one awakened out of some troublesome sleep and dream. And listening to this heavenly sentence, I was as if I heard it thus spoken to me, Sinner, thou thinkest that because thy sins and infirmities I cannot save thy soul. But behold, my son is by me, and upon him I look, and not on thee, and shall deal with thee according as I am pleased with him. At this I was greatly enlightened in my mind, and made to understand that God could justify a sinner at any time, It was but his looking upon Christ and imputing his benefits to us, and the work was forthwith done. And as I was thus in amuse, that scripture also came with great power upon my spirit, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. 2 Timothy 1 Verse 9 Now was I got on high. I saw myself within the arms of grace and mercy. And though I was before afraid to think of a dying hour, yet now I cried, Let me die. Now death was lovely and beautiful in my sight. For I saw we shall never live indeed till we be gone to the other world. O oh, me thought, This life is but a slumber in comparison with that above. And this time also I saw more in these words, heirs of God, Romans 8.17, than ever I shall be able to express while I live in this world, heirs of God. God himself is the portion of the saints. This I saw and wondered at but cannot tell you what I saw. Again, as I was at another time very ill and weak, all that time also the tempter dispossessed me strongly, for I find he is much for assaulting soul when it begins to approach towards the grave. 
Then is his, is his opportunity laboring to hide from me my former experience of God's goodness also setting before me the terrors of death and the judgment of God insomuch that at this time through my fear of miscarrying forever should I now die I was as one dead before death came and was as if I had felt myself already descending into the pit Methought I said, There is no way but to hell I must. But behold, just as I was in the midst of those fears, these words of the angels carrying Lazarus into Abraham's bosom darted in upon me, as if it were said, So shall it be with thee when thou shalt leave this world. This did sweetly revive my spirits and help me to hope in God, which when I had with comfort mused on a while, that word fell with great weight upon my mind, O death, where is thy sting, O grave, where is thy victory, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 55. At this I became both well in body and mind at once. For my sickness did presently vanish, and I walk comfortably in my work for God again. At another time, though, just before I was pretty well and savory in my spirit, yet suddenly there fell upon me a great cloud of darkness, which did so hide me from the things of God in Christ, that I was as if I had never seen or known them in my life. I also was so overrun in my soul with a senseless, heartless frame of spirit that I could not feel my soul move or stir after grace and life by Christ. I was as if my loins were broken, or as if my hands and feet had been bound or tied with chains. At this time also I felt some weakness seize upon my outward man which made still the other affliction the more heavy and uncomfortable to me. After I had been in this condition some three or four days, as I was sitting by the fire, I suddenly felt this word to sound in my heart, I must go to Jesus. At this my former darkness and atheism fled away, and the blessed things of heaven were set in my view. Well, I was on this sudden, thus overtaken with surprise. Wife, said I, is there ever such a scripture? I must go to Jesus. She said she could not tell. Therefore I stood musing still to see if I could remember such a place. I had not sat above two or three minutes, but that came bolting in upon me and to an innumerable company of angels, and with all the twelfth chapter of Hebrews about the Mount Zion was set before mine eyes. Then with joy I told my wife, Oh, now I know, I know. But that night was a good night to me. I have had but few better. I longed for the company of some of God's people, that I might impart unto them what God had showed me. Christ was a precious Christ to my soul that night. 
but could scarcely lie in my bed for joy and peace and triumph through Christ. This great glory did not continue upon me until morning. Yet the twelfth chapter of the epistles to the Hebrews was a blessed scripture to me for many days together after this. The words are these, Ye are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Through this sentence the Lord led me over and over, first to this word, and then to that, and showed me wonderful glory in every one of them. These words also have oft since that time been great refreshment to my spirit. Blessed be God for having mercy on me. Chapter 10 And now I am speaking of my experience, and will in this place thrust in a word or two concerning my preaching the word, and of God dealing with me in that particular also. After I had been about five or six years awakened, and been helped myself to see both the want and worth of Jesus Christ our Lord, and also enabled to venture my soul upon him. Some of the most able among the saints with us, I say, the most able for judgment and holiness of life if they conceived, did perceive that God had counted me worthy to understand something of his will in his holy and blessed word, and had given me utterance in some measure to express what I saw to others for edification. Therefore they desired me, and that with much earnestness, that I would be willing at some times to take in hand in one of the meetings to speak a word of exhortation unto them, the which, though at first it did much dash and abash my spirit, it being still by them desired and entreated, I consented to their request and did twice, at two several assemblies, but in private, though with much weakness and infirmity, discover my gifts among them, at which they not only seemed to be, but did frequently protest as in the sight of the great God they were both affected and comforted and gave thanks to the Father of mercies for the grace bestowed on me. After this, sometimes when some of them did go into the country to teach, they would also that I go with them, where though as yet I did not and durst not make use of my gifts in an open way, yet more privately still. As I came among the good people in those places, I did sometimes speak a word of admonition unto them also, the which they, as the others, received with rejoicing at the mercy of God to meward, professing their souls were edified thereby. 
Wherefore, to be brief at last, being still desired by the church after some solemn prayer to the Lord for fasting, I was more particularly called forth and appointed to a more ordinary and public preaching of the word, not only to and among them that believed, but also to offer the gospel to those who had not yet received the faith thereof, about which time I did evidently find in my mind a secret inclination thereto, though, I bless God, not a desire of vainglory, for at that time I was most sorely afflicted with the fiery darts of the devil concerning my eternal state. But yet I could not be content unless I was bound in the exercise of my gift, unto which also I was greatly animated, but not only by the continual desires of the godly, but also by that saying of Paul to the Corinthians, I beseech you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, in that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that ye submit yourself unto such, and to every one that helpeth us and laboreth. 1 Corinthians 16.15 and 16 By this text I was made to see that the Holy Ghost never intended that men who have gifts and abilities should bury them in the earth, but rather did command and stir up such to exercise of their gift, and also did commend those that are apt and ready so to do. They have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. This scripture in these days did continually run in my mind to encourage me and strengthen me in this my work for God. I have also been encouraged from several other scriptures and examples of the godly, those specified in the Word and in other ancient histories. Acts 8, 4 1824 and 25 1 Peter 4:10 Romans 12:6 and Fox's Acts and Monuments Wherefore though of myself of all the saints the most unworthy yet I but with great fear and trembling at the sight of my own weakness did set upon the work and did according to my gift and the proportion of my faith preach that blessed gospel that God had showed me in the holy word of truth which when the country understood they came in to hear the word by hundreds and that from all parts though upon divers and sundry accounts This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. 
We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.